Hey, and welcome to the 12 Stone Church Podcast. Thank you so much for taking time to be a part of today's message. We hope it inspires you, encourages you, and deepens your faith in Jesus. Enjoy the message. So here and across the campuses, feel free to grab a seat. We're so glad that you're with us today. So welcome at 12 Stone Live here at Sugarloaf. Welcome at 12 Stone Home. Uh, across the world, really, whether you're meeting in a living room or, a, or a, uh, a community center or a tap room or wherever you creative people at 12 Stone Home are inventing to meet, we're glad that you're with us. And we are in a season of rebuilding. I want you all here and across the campuses at 12 Stone Home, say this word, say rebuild. Say it like you mean it. Let's try it again. I want us all to say rebuild. Say rebuild. Rebuild. We're in a season of rebuilding. And last weekend, the Holy Spirit rang the alarm and said, guys, it's time to rebuild. It's time to rebuild the things that were broken. And and when we, we say the word rebuild, it's sort of acknowledging the fact that we all know there's some things that fell down over the past year, right? We'll be honest. We've taken some losses over the last year. We've lost the certainty of employment for some of you. We've lost loved ones that's been heartbreaking for some of you. We've we've lost in-person school or work for many, and we we sit in an isolated sort of place. And the things that, that, that once rooted our lives and the values God invited us to build our lives on, those values have been lost for many of us. See, what's a value? Values are the things that you build your life on. It's how you make your decisions and where you put your time, your energy, your money, your heart, your compassion. See, the values are what you build your life on. And when values crack, you start to make bad decisions. And my biggest fear long term from what happened over the past 12 months is that we've lost our values and therefore we've lost our ability to make decisions wisely. And God is telling us, listen, It's time to rebuild the things that broke over the past 12 months. And here's the good news. See, when you build a house the first time, let's say you built a house in the 80s. You got like all the 80s colors and stylings. But when you rebuild it, you can rebuild it different, right? Like if you're going to redo your kitchen, you don't just take everything out, put the same thing back in again. Maybe you look at me and go, my values weren't great before COVID. (laughs) Guess what? You can have a new you starting now. You can rebuild back to the way God had, even if you didn't have it before COVID. And God invites us to do this. Listen, we partner with God when we rebuild the values of our life. In fact, here's what scripture says about the God that we serve. We, we, sung, we sung this. We read this last weekend together from 1 Peter. And the God of all grace, who called you to his eternal glory in Christ, after you have suffered a little while, will himself restore you and make you strong firm, and steadfast. To him be the power forever and ever. Amen. We serve a restoring, rebuilding God. And you're not rebuilding on your own. You're not restoring in your own power. You are partnering with the God of the universe who is a restoring God. And that's what we're doing in this season, 12 Stone. Listen, it is time to rebuild. And we've got three rebuilding values we're building out of. And they're worship, community, and impact. Those are the three values you rebuild a church on, and they're the values you rebuild your life on. And so worship is simply this, God first everywhere, in everything that I do. Worship is putting God first. Community is this, you you can't do life on your own. You weren't designed to do life by yourself. And third is impact. Simply put, 
life is bigger than you. Your life is built for more than just you and yours. Worship, community, and impact. And last weekend, we talked about worship. This weekend, we're talking about community. It's time to rebuild community. So let me tell you a story. When I was a kid, I never learned how to swallow pills. Can I just have a moment of honesty? You're laughing at me. That's okay. I never learned how to... Anyone here not know how to swallow pills? Just curious. Literally three people. Let's hold firm. My parents tried to force me to. They took me in the laundry room with baby aspirin. like, do it. I'm like, ah, I'm gagging. I couldn't do it. I could not figure it out. So I get all the way to college. And I don't know how to swallow pills. <laughs> Problem is I got sick. I got a, like an ear infection or a, maybe a nasal infection. And I, I went to the doctor and he's like, you need antibiotics. And before he wrote out the prescription, I said, now listen, <laughs> one thing. I can't swallow pills. And he sort of like stopped with his pen and looked up like, he sized me up like, you're not a kid. And I said, I can't. So he wrote me a prescription for liquid amoxicillin. The problem is they don't, they don't make adult liquid antibiotics back then. So they gave me like 14 bottles of the children's amoxicillin. I'm not kidding. And so I bring these back to my dorm room and I put them in the mini fridge in our dorm room. And then my, my roommate, who was a friend, he opened the fridge. He said, what is this? I said, that's, uh, that's my antibiotics. He's like, what do you have? How you so much medicine? And I had to explain to him as a 19-year-old man, I don't know how to swallow pills. And so literally, I'm chugging like a whole bottle of amoxicillin to get the amount you need as an adult. And, and, and he's, he, when he hit him, he's like, you're 19. What are you doing? He said, this junk ends now. He grabbed me by the shirt, took me to the water fountain in my dorm hallway, and got a bottle of baby aspirin, and he stood there, and he, you got this, you got to learn to swallow pill. I'm like, ah, ah, I'm trying, ah, I'm coughing him up, I'm gagging. People are walking by, he's like, move along, we're doing something. Finally, I choked down this baby aspirin, got it down, and I've always been able to swallow pills. It was like between my ears. I finally broke through, now still, it's not easy. Those of you who take handfuls of pills and just swallow them with no water, I don't get you. But I can at least get a pill down one at a time. Listen, relationships always push you to do things you can't do on your own. In this season, you need people around you to push you to do things you cannot do on your own. I'm convinced I would still not be able to swallow pills until someone actually said, listen, I'm your friend. You can do this. And maybe you're sitting in this rebuilding season and you're like, man, this is a lot. Where do I start rebuilding all that's been broken? You need people around you to call you, to push you to things you can't do on your own. You need people to take you to the water fountain, if you will, and say, this junk ends now. And that's what we're declaring today as a church. See, we're rebuilding the value of community. So this year I read an article from the Huffington Post. It was really interesting. The author interviewed dozens and dozens of like normal people like you and I, like people that are married, some that are single, some in their 30s, 40s, 50s, some in their 20s, men, women, upper class, middle class, lower class, like they're just us. And what they discovered as they interviewed people is this, people are pretty alone. People discovered in this shutdown over the last 12 months that they don't have real friends. When sports were off TV, 
When the bars and restaurants closed, when your, new, when your favorite TV show didn't have new episodes, when you lost the excuse to get together, you suddenly realized how empty and isolated and alone you really were. See, what the article was discovering is that people had friends to share experiences with, but not people to actually share life with. Specifically, the men that they interviewed said the last time they felt like they had friends that really knew them, that they could be open with, with was high school, middle school, college. And the thought of like making new friends is such a weird, awkward thing. See, I think what the author titled this article is appropriate. She titled it The Crisis of Friendship. There's a crisis of friendship and community. And our American spirit of rugged individualism doesn't help this. Like, I'm going to go it alone. When God says, no, you weren't designed to do that. You weren't designed to live this life by yourself. And I think this crisis of friendship exists more than just in the world. I think it exists here. See, for many of you, COVID didn't destroy your relational network. It just exposed your lack of it. So you can look around and say, COVID took my friends. And if you're honest, maybe you look around and go, I didn't really have people who knew me before COVID. And this is time for you to rebuild the things that have broken. Today, we talk about rebuilding the value of community. See, last week, Pastor Trey and I sort of opened up this series. We're walking through the book of Nehemiah. It's one of my favorite books in the Bible. And this book really is a study on how God uses relationships to rebuild the things that have fallen. And we're going to look into that today. But for those of you who need caught up, the story of Nehemiah is about a normal, ordinary guy like you and me. And God called him to an extraordinary, uh, extraordinary calling to go rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. Just a normal guy. See, the walls of Jerusalem once stood tall and proud, declaring that these is, this is God's people. And then God's people started to move away from God's commands, and, and they were conquered. Other nations came in and destroyed the city, burnt the gates, knocked the, the stone walls down, and the people of Israel were scattered all over the ancient world. God's people no longer existed together. They were scattered. And listen, your enemy loves when you're scattered. He loves when you're isolated. See, the people of God were defeated and scattered. And then about 94 years before Nehemiah comes on the scene, the Persian king allows some Israelites to start coming home. And they start returning to the city of Jerusalem. But they don't rebuild. They just return. And then Nehemiah hears about the fact that Israel and the, the, the capital city Jerusalem is in, is in rubble and ruins. And his heart breaks and he prays and he fasts and he says, oh God, my heart breaks that our city is in rubble. And he said, it is time to rebuild. Nehemiah made that declaration saying it's time to rebuild That's what's that which has been fallen. And today we're going to see how God used relationships to rebuild all that was broken in Jerusalem. And so we're going to jump in to Nehemiah chapter 2 starting in verse 1. Here's what's happened. Nehemiah has prayed and fasted and wept before God. And now he's going before the king, his boss. Remember, he's the cupbearer to the king. And here's what it says. In the month of Nisan, in the 20th year of King Artaxerxes, Awesome name, by the way. In the 20th year of King Artaxerxes, when wine was brought for him, I took the wine and gave it to the king. I had not been sad in his presence before. So the king asked me, why does your face look so sad when you're not ill? 
This can be nothing but sadness of heart. Nehemiah was very much afraid, but he said to the king, may the king live forever. It's a great opening line for a king, right? You're still king. You're awesome. Why should my face not look sad when the city where my ancestors are buried lies in ruins and its gates have been destroyed by fire? I want you to recognize something. This is the king. He has his own agendas, his own stuff, but he noticed when Nehemiah looked sad. See, I think they had a relationship. See, Nehemiah and the king would have spent great time together. The king would have appreciated Nehemiah because he took the drink first to make sure it wasn't poisonous. You gotta like that guy. They had a relationship. And that relationship gave Nehemiah permission to ask this. Here's what Nehemiah said to the king. The king said to me, what is it that you want? Then I prayed. Nehemiah did what? He prayed to the God of heaven. And I answered the king, if it pleases the king, and if your servant has found favor in his sight, let him send me to the city of Judah where my ancestors are buried so that I can rebuild. He's saying to the king, listen, bro, if we got any sort of relationship, man, if you, if you care about me at all, would you please send me back to my home city, to my home people so that I can go rebuild? See, Nehemiah prayed and asked God, God, what, how do I answer this question? And he delivered the answer. And actually, he asked for more in verses 7 through 10. He goes, by the way, king, not just let me go back, but can you give me a letter so that when I'm traveling and people want to take me out, I can show them a letter from the king saying, I'm on, I'm on mission for the king. And then any chance you can let me have access to your royal forests so I can cut down the, your trees to build our gates and my house. And, and, and the king heard all that he asked for. And the king says, yes, and I'll do you one better. I'm going to send you some of my army to protect you as well. See, Nehemiah asked, God, would you give me favor with the king? Oh, God, would you help me go back and rebuild? And here's what Nehemiah discovered. Before Nehemiah even prayed for God to send him back to rebuild, God had already positioned Nehemiah in a relationship with the king. See, before he ever prayed, God had a relationship there to answer the prayer. Listen, the things you are asking God to rebuild in your life, most of the time, God answers your prayers through people. If you're taking notes, here's your first blank. If you, if, if you want to jot this down, rebuilding community is often how God answers your prayers. Rebuilding community is often how God actually answers your prayers. The majority of things we ask of God, he answers through people. Let me show you how it plays out. Just this week, uh, my dryer broke. Yay, says every husband, because I know what that means. Time for daddy to show up and fix it. So here's what I did. I went on YouTube like everyone does. And I was like, how to fix this dryer? It wasn't heating anything. And so I started looking up that, and we figured out we think it's the heating element. So my wife ran to all the way up to Gainesville to pick up the piece. She brought it back. I watched the YouTube video how to fix it, put everything back together again. I said, let's get this thing started. Hit the button. Still cold. No. I'm frustrated now. It's been two, three, four hours my wife and I have spent on this stupid dryer, and it's not worth that much. not worth paying a repair guy to come fix it. So I ended up talking to one of my friends on the phone. I was like, dude, I'm so frustrated. Stupid washers cost me hours, and it's going to cost me hundreds of dollars, and this dryer's not, this is driving me nuts. And he said, dude, you know I just got a new washer and dryer. My dryer works just fine. You want it? Yes, I want your dryer. 
That night, I drove my truck over, put it in the back. I had it plugged in and drying clothes within an hour from that phone call. Listen, I've never seen God manifest a dryer right in front of me. I don't think that's how God works. We'd all freak out. But I've seen God dozens of times use somebody else in our circle to bring an answer to prayer. I literally put my hands in the dryer. My, my wife left after I fixed it. Didn't work. Oh, God, would you fix this? I literally did it. God, fix it. And God answered my prayer through a friend. I've seen this happen dozens of times. There's a single mom at the Flyer Branch campus years ago, and she was in a single mom small group, and she just shared with some of the girls that, man, she's struggling financially, and she time job, she's got all these kids at home, and so it's only part-time, and she's struggling, and lo and behold, I'm walking through the lobby on a Sunday, and a guy comes up to me, I've never seen him before, and he said, God told me to give you this and give it to that woman over there. I said, do you know her? He goes, no, I have no clue. God just, I couldn't shake it. God told me. And I opened up an envelope full of cash. I walked over to the single mom, and I said, I don't know what you're going through. But God put it on this man's heart to give you this. And she opened it up and started weeping. She said, I've been begging God. God, you say you're my provider. Will you provide? I've never seen God just manifest cash before. But God spoke through that man and answered a prayer through people. This is how God works. I don't know how to answer your prayers, but get around God's people and see what he does. See, the answer to the prayers you've been praying might be answered through community. When we say rebuild community, this is what God's inviting us to. Get around God's people and watch him move. That's the design of the church. So Nehemiah prayed, oh God, help me get home. He asked the king and God answered his prayer through the king, but now he's just getting started. He's got the resources he needs, the permissions he needs, but now he's got to actually go back and rebuild. He's got a new calling, so he had to now in, uh, invest in a new community of people. So he gets back to Jerusalem. He has to circle up the Israelites that have come home and say, listen, it's time. You don't know me. I don't know you, but we got to get in a circle together and figure out what we're going to do. Here's what he says to the people in verse 17. Then I said to them, you see the trouble we are in. Jerusalem lies in ruins and its gates have been burned with fire. Come, let us rebuild the wall of Jerusalem, and we will no longer be in disgrace. I also told them about the gracious hand of my God on me and what the king had said to me. They replied, let us start rebuilding. So they began this great work. See, Nehemiah recognized quickly, I can't rebuild on my own. Like he recognized really fast. He spent a night walking the wall and realizing this is a big project. So I, I can't rebuild on my own. And neither can you. Nehemiah recognized, I've got to circle up these people. So he circled them up and put them on different places on the wall and said, let's rebuild. And there's a whole chapter in scripture. Chapter three of Nehemiah is just the names of people and families and tribes and what they rebuilt. It's a whole chapter. Incredibly boring to read until you realize what that was. It was Nehemiah's community coming around and saying, we're going to rebuild together. By the way, there's a, there's a family that was in charge of rebuilding the dung gate. You know what that is, don't you? I'll leave that to your imagination. They're recorded in all of scriptures. You're the dude who built the Dungate. Yes, that's them forever. All of chapter three is just the people and what they rebuild. But imagine if Nehemiah decided, I'm going to try to rebuild this thing alone. Like, think about that. Taking all these rocks and stacking them up 10, 20, 30 feet high. 
there's a new trend I'm hearing in our culture where people say, listen, I love Jesus, but I don't belong to a church. They say it this way. It's just me and Jesus. Really? Really? Like that, that, that's your strategy. Just, just you and Jesus off on an island somewhere, and you don't, you don't need God's people. Around. You don't need a church around you. I'm telling you, if that's your strategy to rebuilding, I'm begging you to rethink it. You weren't built to do it alone. It would be like Nehemiah saying, I'm going to rebuild the entire city's walls by myself. Listen, how many half-built walls do you have in your life because you tried to do it alone? How many diets did you start and not tell somebody else and you got halfway through and went, yeah, I'm just going to stop? <laughs> how many times did you show up and say, I'm going to work out every morning and you didn't bring anyone else into this with you and you got two weeks into lifting weights and running and you just stopped? How many times do you start rebuilding finance and say, I'm going to rebuild the walls of finance. I'm getting out of debt. And you didn't bring anyone else around you for accountability and encouragement. You got half-built walls everywhere. God's saying, listen, that's not how I designed this to work. See, if you're taking notes, rebuilding community helps you carry heavy things more easily. When you rebuild community, it helps you carry heavy things more easily. And Nehemiah had some heavy things to carry for that wall. And the people, when they joined with him in the rebuilding, they helped him carry heavy things more easily. If we're all honest, this year we're all carrying some heavy things, aren't we? Y'all got your stuff. I got my stuff. I don't know what your stuff is, but you do. And there are places you are isolated by yourself carrying heavy things. And God goes, that's not how I designed this to work. That's why I created the church and community. I want to talk specifically to students for a second. This is a prompt from prayer yesterday. Students, this year has been a lot. This is not what you dreamed for some of you, your senior year of high school or your first year in high school or what you dreamed for what sports were going to look like and friendships and prom and all the stuff this year has done. There is an epidemic going on in your generation of isolation, depression, anxiety, suicide rates are through the roof because you get alone and you get isolated and you get hopeless because you're carrying heavy things by yourself. And you feel like if this is what I have to do the rest of my life, it's not worth it. And I'm, I'm screaming from my heart to you. This is not how God designed it. You were designed for community. You were designed for other people to help you carry the heavy things you're going through. Parents, if you have a student or a child, they have to get back to student ministry. They have to get back into relationship with other people that are chasing down Jesus and wanting to grow in their faith and having other adults speak into their life, having people around them to help them carry the heavy things that they carry. Students, don't allow yourself to live in isolation. And social media doesn't count. Zoom calls doesn't count. Get with people. Open your mouth. Share what you're going through. Let them share in what you're carrying. See, God designed community to help you carry heavy things more easily. See, November 2020, it's a couple, Kristen and Chris Ertel. And they're a couple that jumped into a re-engaged small group to sort of rebuild their marriage. And early on into the small group, uh, they had to run their, their son, Chris, down to the hospital with crazy stomach pain. 
And they said, this has got to be appendicitis. So they took the child all the way down to the Children's Hospital of Atlanta, and this was an emergency situation. So Chris and Kristen run them down there. They get them to the hospital, and they discover the appendix had already burst. Bad, bad news. You don't have to be a doctor to know it's bad news. So Kristen came to the small group in that first week that this had happened, and she said, I just need your support. Will you pray for me? And laid hands on her and prayed for her and prayed for Chris and prayed for their marriage. And then when she left, the small group circled up and said, we know what we got to do. See, Chris and Kristen had three other kids at home and one that's beginning a long stay in the hospital. And we don't know how this thing is going to turn out. So they, they literally put together a plan for who's going to watch the kids when, who's going to make dinner, who's going to clean the house. Like they just said, listen, you've got too much weight to carry. It's our turn to help you shoulder this. And they showed up, and they made that happen. Then things got worse. Chris found out in the midst of this, while his son's in the hospital, he lost his job. He's going, oh, God, I'm cracking under the weight I have to carry. Small group got, got word of it, and they circled up and said, listen, I don't care if you get a buck or a thousand bucks. We got we to gotta bring some cash together to help them with their food, their bills, their gas, driving back and forth to the hospital. And they collected $2,500 in a week. We're able to come alongside this couple. This is what community does. Here's the good news. Their son, Brian, completely healed, praise Jesus. Chris has a job again, but here's, here's what the small group leader said. I want you to hear her words. Only God can bring us all together at the exact time Kristen and Chris needed community. Only God could heal Brian. Only God could put it on our hearts to be Jesus to others in their time of need. We are not meant to travel this journey of life alone. We are meant to be in community with others and lift each other up in times of need. As group leaders, we are forever changed by the couples we were privileged to meet, pour into, and do life with. Here's what you'll discover. When you're in community and your walls have fallen down and you're carrying the weight, you're going to thank God you have people around you. Equally, when your walls are strong and you're helping someone else rebuild their walls, you'll discover as you help re rebuild their walls, it's actually rebuilding your walls. That's the nature of the kingdom of God. When you serve, God builds you up in that. That was what they discovered in this. They discovered that they needed that community around them, and so do you. And maybe you're not a follower of Jesus and you're listening to this story and you're going, y'all are crazy. Why would you live like that? Like we all got enough junk. Why don't I just carry my stuff? You carry your stuff and we'll just sort of go our own ways. Like why would you live that way? You see, when, when we realize that, that Jesus shouldered a weight on the cross, we could never carry on our own. Like when we realize what the gospel was, that God sent Jesus from heaven to earth to stand in our place and accomplish something we could never accomplish on our own, to rebuild a relationship with our heavenly father we could never earn ourselves. When we, when we tasted that, it changed us. And all we do now is just we respond to what Jesus already did for us by responding the same way to people around us. This is the church. This is how God designed us to live. And that's his invitation to all of us. See, here's what you have to realize, though. Community is like, like a bank account. Like over time, if you're smart, you'll start saving a little bit of money and put it in a bank account so that when your car breaks down, you, you have the money. So when you hit a hard time, you, you have the money. And you'll be really glad it's there once you need it. But when you need it, it's too late to build it. 
This is so true of community. When you need community, it's too late to build it. You better build community in a peace season so when war comes, it's there for you. You better be investing like you do for your retirement and your future and emergencies that come up because, listen, your friends will be more valuable than money when you're carrying the weight of rebuilding something. And God invites us as a church to rebuild. But lastly, community doesn't just help you carry more. It helps you see more. I want you to catch this. Nehemiah showed up to a people who could not see the city rebuilt. Like they didn't have eyes to see it. Like they'd just gotten so used to living in destruction and torn down walls. They couldn't see a future where their city was rebuilt. And Nehemiah showed back up and here's what he said. The God of heaven will give us success. We, his servants, will start rebuilding. Listen, your community should re-remind you of who God is. Listen, Nehemiah is not saying anything new. He's reminding them, listen, the God of heaven will give us success. What community does is help us see things we can't see in our own. Helps us see more clearly. See, three, four months into the shutdown during COVID, I had a, a, a season where I was just, just in a funk. Going, God, this, this is what church is now, I guess. And this is what life looks like now. And I just didn't see opportunity. And all I saw was storms and more problems. And I called a good friend who's a pastor. And I was like, hey, dude, how you doing? And he was so up, it made me angry. You ever, you ever have positive people that's like, do you ever have a bad day? Have you ever gotten a paper cut? Like, please. He was like, dude, I'm doing great. I said, why? The country shut down. And he starts going on going, dude, I believe this is a fresh opportunity for God to do something in his church he's never done before. Bro, we're dreaming and imagining and, and we're trying to figure out, man, I think we can, we can advance the gospel this way now and people are getting used to watching online that never went to church before. And he just starts going on. And by the end of the phone call, I'm like, heck yeah, COVID, let's go. I'm going, what happened? He helped me see. He helped me see something I was not capable of seeing on my own. See, faith is contagious. I caught his faith. That's a virus I do want to catch. I caught his faith through the phone. But fear is contagious. Listen, when you're isolated and you are the only voice you hear, you're feeding yourself fear over fear over fear, and your life starts to spiral and get so small. And God said, listen, we all have moments where someone has to speak and say, I want to speak faith into your life. Yes, it's a tough season, but I want to help you see something you cannot see on your own. That's what community does for us. Nehemiah helped them see they serve a victorious God. But if we're honest, this is a really hard season to see. COVID's sort of like a fog, right? It's hard to see down the road. So before COVID, you could kind of see one, two, three, four years down the road and go, I kind of can predict where I should go. And then suddenly in COVID, the fog set in and your vision got so short that it sort of paralyzed us. Like, how do you make decisions when I can only see this far ahead of me? It's like driving in the fog. Have you ever driven through fog? It's terrifying. All you can see is nothing, but it's really bright with your headlights on, right? And it, it starts to slow your car down to the point where sometimes you have to pull over and just like... I got to stop and wait. And this is where some of us are right now. 
You're paralyzed in inaction because you can't see one, two, three, four, five years down the road. What's the economy going to be in two years? I don't know. What's unemployment going to look like in two years? I don't know. Where should I be investing my money for my retirement long term? I don't know. I couldn't have guessed GameStop, and that would have been awesome. I don't know. Does anyone know what three years looks like? I don't. I wish I could tell you I heard from God and go buy GameStop stock, and we all get rich, and we plant churches everywhere. I wish. It doesn't work that way. So what do you do when you can't see all the way through the fog of COVID? What do you do? And this applies in every area of your life. What do you do when you can't see all the way through the fog? Listen, you plan as far as you can see. I can't see three years down the road, but I can sort of get a picture of three months. So you plan as far as you can see. And here's what I'm certain of. The people who choose to invest in community over these next three months will be better positioned no matter what three years from now looks like. You build as far as you can see. And what did Nehemiah bring to the people? He brought them a plan. The people didn't have to invent how the wall was going to get built and how they were going to resource the wall and who was going to go where. Nehemiah had a plan. And church, listen, we have a plan. See, over COVID, we spent weeks and months preparing a plan because we knew we'd get to this point at some point. See, Nehemiah arranged everything for the people. They didn't have to figure anything out on their own. We've arranged everything for you to help you rebuild the things in community that broke. And here's what we're going to do. We're starting a special three-month small group semester that starts in two weeks. And we're running between now and the end of school. And that's an odd time to do a small group. I know, we're living in odd times. Welcome to the club. I, 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 we don't get to pick how this works. We're just saying we're doing three months. And maybe you were in small group and in community before all this, and it's time to get back. Maybe you weren't in community before, and you're going, I need the people around me to help me see bigger, to help me carry more. This is your opportunity to do it. We're doing a special three-month run, and, and beyond that, the entire church is being invited to go through this. It's called Foundations. We sort of gathered this book and put this together. It's a nine-week run through the foundational things that we need to rebuild in our life. Where do you start building on a house? The foundations. If you start with the roof, it's going to be weird. It's just a roof on the ground. Start with foundations. And that's what this is. We're doing nine weeks together as a church. We're calling. We're ringing the bell. We're blasting the foghorn. It's time to rebuild small groups and community. Whether you're at 12 Stone Home, whether you're at 12 Stone Live, whether you're watching online, this is time for you to decide. You cannot see two years from now. So don't plan for that. Plan for the next three months and get into a small group. We, we created this material to help guide you and walk you through these next three months to position you to be in a place where you're ready to rebuild and respond as COVID begins to evolve and the fog begins to lift. We want you to be positioned somewhere where you can rebuild the things that have broken. Here's what I'm going to invite you to do. I'm going to invite you to text the word groups to 37748. Like grab your phone, even now, 12 Stone Home, at the campuses. Maybe you need to grab your phone right now. And you just need to decide. It is time to rebuild community. And you text groups to 37748, and we're going to help you get into a group. You're married, you're single, you're old, you're young, you're this, you're that. Don't care. We've got a group for you. 
And, and these groups are going to be the places where God answers your prayers of rebuilding, the places where God helps other people carry your burden with you, the group where people help you see things that you'll never see on your own. This is where God allows people to take you to the water fountain and say, this ends now. That's what God's inviting us to in this season. And maybe you used to lead a group. And you've just been on the sidelines during COVID trying to figure out, and you're sort of paralyzed with, I don't know what's going to happen. How's this going to play out? No one knows. But maybe you say, I need to lead a group for the next three months. I want to be part of rebuilding what's broken community in this, in this church and in this area. After service, come up. Your campus pastors are going to be at the front of, the, of the, the, the sanctuaries. Come up, talk to them. If you're digital, feel free to go to our website. Go to 12 slash small groups and click the apply to be a leader button. We need leaders and you need community. It's time to rebuild what broke in this COVID season. Some of y'all are like, so inconvenient. It, man, it's not, the time is just not perfect for me. I wish like, is there one at 7.05 instead of 7? It's just a little early. Like, of course it's inconvenient. Everything worth doing is inconvenient. A diet is super inconvenient. Working out, super inconvenient. Going to work on time, inconvenient. Studying for a test, inconvenient. But those things are worthwhile. Do not let the inconvenience keep you from what God wants to rebuild in your life. Church, it's time to rebuild community. The evil one loves you isolated. Scripture tells us Satan is compared to a lion. He, he prowls around looking who to devour. Have you ever watched a National Geographic show about how lions work? They isolate someone. Not someone, thank God. Isolate an animal. And as soon as that animal is isolated, toast. But when they're inside of a pack of other animals, they're protected by each other. The evil one loves you when you're isolated because you're easy prey. It's time to rebuild community. Some of you might say, listen, I'm, I'm not in need of community. I, I've got friends. Like, I'm not alone. I actually do have friends. Maybe what God would tell you is this. Maybe instead of rebuilding the number of friends you have, you need to re rebuild how, how absolutely intentional you should be. Like maybe over COVID, your friendships have drifted to wine in The Bachelor and beer in March Madness instead of intentional conversations. Like maybe the friends you have need to be more intentional. You might go, I don't need a small group. Okay, then you're going to have to look your friends in the eye and say, listen, I'm going to rebuild what's broken in my life and I need you to keep me accountable. I've gotten sloppy in my finances or my diet or my faith. I've gotten sloppy in my work ethic. I need you to hold me accountable. I need you to help call me up to something bigger. I'm inviting you to take me to the water fountain and say, this ends now. I need that voice in my life. Get more intentional with the friends that you do have. You need someone that can speak truth into your life. See, God designed the church to not just be a gathering on the weekends, but to be a people that does life together. God designed the church to be the the vehicle he uses to answer most of your prayers. God designed the church for us to shoulder each other's burdens. God designed the church to help us see things we could never see on our own. As the campus pastors are stepping up across the campuses and as 12 Stone Home is preparing, let me just ask you a couple questions. I'm going to start where we, 
I'm gonna, I'm gonna end where we started. Listen, you can't rebuild alone. Just like Nehemiah, you can't rebuild alone. So where have you drifted from community? If you were honest, where are you living isolated? See, people tend to not fall apart when they're in community, but when they're isolated, it happens frequently. Where are you quietly by yourself carrying a weight that's crushing you? And God's just whispering to your soul, oh, that's not how I designed this. You weren't designed to shoulder that weight by yourself. Where do you need to embrace the awkward and the inconvenient and build small groups, build community, get back into around the people of God? See, texting groups to 37748 might be the most impactful spiritual decision you make in all of this season. Jump in the next three, week, three months with us and let's rebuild the things in community that were broken. Thank you again for spending time with us today. A special thanks to those of you who generously give through 12 Stone. It is because of you that this ministry is possible. And if you want to learn more about 12 Stone, make sure you follow us on social at 12 Stone Church and check out a location or a watch party near you. And if you enjoyed the podcast, you could subscribe, share it with your friends, hit the share button, or even take a screenshot and throw it in your social stories. And make sure to tag 12 Stone Church. Let it be a blessing to somebody else. Thank you again, and we'll catch you on the next one.